This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Is your area affected by flooding? If not your home, maybe it's hitting a cottage that you like to visit. And thousands of residents across Ontario, Quebec and New Brunswick have been forced to evacuate their homes and more have had their homes damaged. Closer to home, the latest community in Ontario's cottage country to declare a state of emergency is Muskoka Lakes. It joins Huntsville, Minden Hills and Bracebridge in being under a state of emergency. So do you know how to protect yourself and your property? And what do you make of the fact that supposedly once in a century floods are occurring for the second time in as many years? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. And we are going to Blair Feltmate, who is the head of the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation at the Faculty of Environment at the University of Waterloo, and Daryl Cully, President of Emergency Management. Management and training. Welcome to you both. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good afternoon. Okay. Good afternoon. Uh, Blair Feltmate, uh, why is this happening for the second time in two years? Well, the flooding is occurring across the country for two primary reasons. One, uh, climate change is real, it's happening. And as a result of climate change, we're getting uh, bigger storms of greater magnitude, more water coming down over shorter, period, shorter periods of time, which could obviously contributes to flooding. Also combined with the fact that, and this is a phenomenon right across Canada, but for southern, uh, southern Ontario specifically, we've removed about 73% over the course of the last 100 years of the natural infrastructure that was rig- originally here, forest. Uh, uh, fields, swamps, marshes, wetlands, and turned it into, it's either been paved over or turned into some form of agricultural development. And when the water hits these areas that are now developed, it, it doesn't absorb very very well. It runs off very quickly to discrete locations to the lowest point um, in a hurry. And through a combination of uh, bigger storms, more water coming down over shorter periods of time, combined with the fact we have less ability to absorb it and hold it, uh, that's creating the floods that we're now experiencing with increasing frequency. Daryl, are are we seeing a situation where people might think they know what they have to do to prepare for spring, but uh, they don't? Well, yes. um, People, you know, take a look at their past history. And, uh, you know, with climate change, the past isn't being reflected in what we're seeing in the present or the future. Um, you know, we are seeing these, these larger flooding events. So different weather types of events of all natures um, are taking place now. So, you know, people who might have, even they might have lived there for, for 20 or 30 years um, and they saw the seasonal changes 20 years ago, they're seeing a, a different environment currently. And and so what should people be doing to prepare, Daryl? Well, the first thing is they need to know their area. They need to know what the, the risk is where they live, um, what the floodplains are, 
particularly, you know, for people who are going up and, and buying properties or cottages, they need to take a look at that before they, they buy. Um, but not only take a look at what traditionally has happened, but take a look at, you know, most municipalities, if, if you go to the municipality, they will have floodplain maps that show, for example, the 100-year events and what they're planned for and uh, make sure that they're outside of that. And if they're within it, um, they need to look at protecting their their property either through um, uh, developing uh uh, berms, that sort of thing within their property, or in this particular case, as it's happening now, uh, get sandbagging. Blair, uh, do we have to adjust what we call a once-in-hundred-year event? What do we call it now? Well, it's a one-in-much-shorter-period-of-time event, uh, depending on where you are. But for sure, the the uh, the, the frequency of big storms shorter water, uh, larger volumes of water coming down over shorter periods of time. Uh, that is going to be the, the, that is the new normal right now. The, the storms we're getting today are bigger than the past, but also it's going to get even more challenging in the future. And for sure, for example, we are not going backwards on climate change. Climate change is a done deal. It's here to stay. It's irreversible, period. And we may slow down the rate of climate change by uh, lowering our discharge of uh, overall greenhouse gas emissions, but the reality of, of climate change is here, and the the quicker we adapt to it at the level of the community or individual house level, um, the better off we're going to be. Okay, let's take a call from Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hi, I've got a family cottage. Well, it's my cottage now, but we've been up in Bracebridge uh, for 40 years. And you know what? There was a flood back in two, uh, 2013, and I remember floods going back previously. It's the nature of the beast. It's got nothing to do with global warming and all this nonsense. People that build in floodplains have to expect what they get. You know, it's just, this is not extraordinary. And you know, what's the next thing we're going to do is stop the next ice age from coming? What are we going to do then? Burn fossil fuels? There is, there's no change. I've been there for 40 years. I've seen it before, and I'll see it again if I'm lucky, lucky to live that long. Okay, Bill, I'm going to let our experts respond to that. Uh, Blair, what do you have to say to that? Yeah, and many people have are, are of the view, and, and, and by the way, not incorrectly, that we've had big storms in the past, that's for sure, and, and that would be correct. But over the period of the last 50 years, just around the Great Lakes alone, uh, if you go towards the western end of the Great Lakes, the intensity of, of storms, uh, precipitation coming down for the one, the top 1% of extreme storm events has increased over 50 years, the intensity of that, by about 37% towards the west end of the Great Lakes and up to about 70, 70-71% towards the eastern end of the Great Lakes. In other words, more precipitation coming down over shorter periods of time with uh, the extreme precipitation events. So that's a technical reality. That's, that's not a matter of some, uh, somebody's opinion. That, that's a categorical fact. So the actual dynamic of the weather and the precipitation events has changed over the course of the last 50 years alone. Uh, I certainly have noticed that recently. I mean, not over 50 years, but over the last few years, there seem to be a lot more bigger rainstorms. Uh, Daryl Cully, what's your view on what uh, Bill said to us? Doesn't think it's any different than it always has been. Well, it, it certainly is different, uh, but I do agree with his point. You know, if you 
build on a floodplain, um, you better be prepared for floods. And that's one of the challenges uh, that we've had. You know, new building codes have come in and zoning uh, that's preventing some of that now. But we've got a lot of property where people have built um, over the past hundred years that are on the shores of rivers uh, and lakes. And they have seen some seasonal. I, I do believe it is getting worse. Um, you know, certainly in our experience, but people also have to take some responsibility for for where they are are building and um, you know being prepared themselves for that. Uh, Blair, do you see a shift uh, in terms of you know, in cottage country is very very desirable, and there are certain areas in cottage con- country which are considered more desirable than others are. Are there areas that people should start thinking about, you know, maybe that's not the best place to be? Well, for certain, in reference to flowing water systems, any cottage that might be along the sides of streams, creeks, rivers, flowing water bodies like that, uh, they should certainly make sure that they're up out of harm's way relative to any uh, level of potential flood that might be realized in the future. So well up out of harm's way, not you know, one or two meters above above uh, water level or freeboard. And within and around cottages as well, uh, they want to make sure that they're, they're, they're you know, f- further back from the shore or uh, in areas whereby um, if there's brooks or streams or creeks in and around the cottage, they want to they build in such a way that the probability of those streams or creeks being problematic is, you know, not going to inundate the cottage. And even in terms of management in areas where uh, cottages are uh, we're going to be be a little we should be more aggressive in just making sure for example spring and fall that culverts bridges areas where there's flowing water going underneath roads etc that they're kept clear and free of debris to allow water to discharge safely uh, downstream now that should have always happened in the past but with the larger volumes of water we're getting now we we need to have even uh, heightened sensitivity to this Mm-hmm. Uh, Blair, are people aware of what they have to be doing or just kind of sitting on their hands waiting for stuff to happen? By and large, and I'm not just talking about cottages, I'm talking about down to and including the individual house, the bottom line is this. No, by and large, people do, know, do not know what they should be doing around their house uh, to lower the probability of them ending up with a flooded basement. But by and large, uh, a large percentage of the factor that contributes to having a flooded basement can be addressed by the home homeowner uh, on his or her own, generally speaking, over a period of a couple of days' work around the house for a few, a few hundred dollars. And it's things as simple as, for example, disconnecting the downspout from the eaves trough system. If that disappears into the ground, into the weeping tile system, disconnect that, put an elbow on it, and direct water two or three meters away from the foundation of the home to a, to a safe location, not towards your neighbors. The plastic or window wells at ground level, there should be plastic covers over window wells to make it such that when the big storms hit, the water can't fill the window well and subsequently flow into the basement. People should have watertight windows at ground level so the water does get up to the window, it can't flow into the basement. The grading around property should be designed to direct water away from the foundation versus towards it. And then in the house, in the basement, or cottage, whichever one, uh, 
people should, if there's a sub pump, make sure they check their sub pump ahead of time that it actually works. Dump, dump a bucket of water in there and actually see it discharge water. They should have two sub pumps, not just one, because very often one will kick out during a major storm and then you've got nothing. There should be battery backup supply for the sub pump to run it up to three or four days because very often now, and as is happening right now, uh, when the big uh, storms hit, very often the, the local distribution companies have to shut off the electricity uh, to save electrocutions, or the power just goes out. So you need battery backup supply. So there, there, there's a lot of things, and it, the list is longer than that, but there's a lot of things that could be done around a property itself. To It, it doesn't say that you can't have a flooded basement, but you on a scale of 0 to 100, 100 being the worst for a flooded basement, you can take it from an 80 down to a 25 pretty quickly. You know, that's a really interesting conversation. I want to hear from people about whether they've done any of those things. Uh, and I want to get into the other things that you want to talk about uh, in terms of protecting the property. Blair Feltmate, you were giving us a list of things that could take your risks down from 80% to 20%. Uh, what else should people think about doing? Well, the other thing they should do, there, so there's, there's, there's physical updates that they should make to their property, and one in particular that I didn't uh, mention earlier is that, uh, and this involves a little bit more work than that which you would do on the, the weekend by yourself, but everybody should have a plumber uh, come into their house or cottage and in the basement where the drain is, the little drain that's there for normally if the dishwasher overflowed and you let the water flow out of the basement. Well, very often during these major storms, Water can overwhelm the sewer systems, and depending on how the piping hooks up, that water can back up through the system and, and flood into your basement uh, that way, which in, in insurance terms is creatively called sewer backup flooding. Um, somebody should have, a, people should have a, a plumber come in and inspect that line and see if it's appropriate to put in what's called a backwater valve. And that's a valve that uh, makes it such that water can flow out of the basement, but it stops water from flowing in when these big storms occur. Uh, there's a little valve in it that cuts the water flow off from coming back into the basement. And this is a, a device that can be installed if the basement is already built and the cement floor is there. It is a little pricey. It's about $2,800. For most major cities uh, and intermediate-sized cities, very often they offer up to about a 70% uh, subsidy for the installation of one of these devices. The City of Toronto does, for example. And... Uh, uh, so that should be in place. But also, when it's there, it's not enough just to have it. You also have to maintain it. You have to clean it out spring and fall for half a minute, half an hour each time. And, but that will make it so that it seals properly. And that's a, that's a tremendous uh, asset uh, to have in place in reference to ultimately, hopefully, not having a flooded basement. And, Daryl, in your experience, uh, are people aware of all these things that should be done? No. Uh, most people don't think about it until the, the flooding occurs. Um, they, uh, you know, they're living, experiencing every day as it happens, and, and then when a problem occurs, then they start thinking about uh, the challenges they're facing. And and uh, so, um, yeah, a lot of, some forethought needs to, to go into where you live. Regardless of whether you live in an area that's prone to flooding or not, there's there's things that you can do to protect your house from environmental issues. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know, watching these pictures, looking at, uh, you know, they're very disturbing pictures. So I know I'm thinking, oh, gee, you know, when was uh, the last time that that we checked all these things? 
Let's take a call from Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Yeah, I'm listening to some of the things like some of the people don't realize is uh, with the high density that we have, like the fellow says, instead of having your drain pipe running into the pipe running out nine meters from from your house, well, nine meters from your house is probably not only past your neighbor's lot, it's probably on the one on beyond that there. But the point is this, what's happened is in, you know, like, as I say, the good old days, where you used to have forest just outside of town, and the uh, the ground would be different, where you have forests and trees, it changes the, the, the climate because uh, the temperature in the air changes and as the clouds go over it with the change it makes it rain or not rain depending but here it's too flat now we've all the farms have cut the trees down it's all farmland it's all the same so there is no changes in the climate that makes the rain fall where remotely when it builds up and builds up and finally it comes down very heavy as far as climate change goes that um, carbon's not the problem, but we are slowly warming up. The last big drop in temperature was in the 1800s with Krakatoa dropping the world temperature about 5 degrees. Uh, Mount St. Helen dropped it about uh, 1.5 degrees. The next big volcanic eruption will drop it again, and then it'll slowly build up. But carbon is not our problem. Okay. Carbon is what's feeding us. Now, the okay, Bob, we're we're is, not we're not talking about carbon. And thanks for your call. And uh, I think you were making the same point that Blair made right off the top that it's the change in our landscape. It's uh, people who have taken we've taken down forests and trees. That's a, a big contributor in all of this, Blair. Yes, for sure. And and at a, at a micro habitat level, there is no question about it that the physical changes to the geography of a location can contribute to flooding. It can even contribute to a local uh, precipitation events. However, that, w- that which we're observing right now globally in terms of uh, water being problematic indeed in many places of the world is due to climate change. And we are up one degree Celsius uh, in temperature, one degree Celsius warmer globally over the last 100 years. And the only factor that explains that is the burning of fossil fuels. It's not volcanic activity. It's not changes in sunspot activity. It's not changes in earth wobble. Nothing. It is purely uh, the burning of fossil fuels causing that increase in temperature. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have to start wrapping things up. Daryl Kelly, what would you like to leave us with on this? Um, people, people need to create a plan. They need to know what they would do if the floodwaters start to impact their homes. Um, you know, have that checklist. Uh, things like turn off the power if your basement's starting to flood to reduce the, the chance of um, contamination. Understand that wells and your drinking water may be con- become contaminated. Um, don't drive through road closures. Um, you know, that's a, a big issue. And, um, you know, follow evacuation orders. If, you're, if the municipality declares a state of emergency and asks you to evacuate, it's time to evacuate. Um, so you need to be prepared for that. Okay. And Blair, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I agree with everything Daryl just said. But uh, also what I would say is for a homeowner or someone's renting a, you know, a home, either way, if, if they turn to our website, the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation, on the top line, they will find very, very quickly top 50, the top 15 things you can do around your house simply, easily, 
almost anybody who could lay a patio could do this to very, very much lower the probability of somebody, of you uh, ending up with a flooded basement. And generally speaking, you can do this for a few hundred dollars. Okay, well, that sounds like very good advice. And thank you to you both. Blair Feltmate, head of the Intact Center on Climate Adaptation at the University of Waterloo, and Daryl Cully, president of Emergency Management and Training. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.